It uh, sure is. It's 7.06. It's that time on your Monday evening. Employment Law Show is back here and ready to answer your questions, take your calls. A live show on Monday nights, of course. And the uh, way to call in, very simple, 416-870-6400. You have questions about uh, your employment, your job, severance being let go. Are you a contractor? Are you on maternity leave? Have you been let go? Do you think it's coming down the pike? Uh, you're starting your spidey sense going off. You think there might be trouble brewing in the workplace. You just got some answers or some questions for uh, possibly yourself or a colleague, co-worker, or a family member for that uh, that matter. Call in. This is the time to, to get it answered. No dumb questions. Don't be bashful. Dave Vaughn is here to answer to them over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. So uh, so bring them on again. 416-870-6400 is the number. The email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lots to get through tonight. By the way, we will get into our topic, which is most common questions you get, Dave, throughout your work week. But uh, the week that was, a couple issues that uh, came across this week, your desk. Uh, what do you got going on, pal? Good evening. Hey, good evening. How are you? Good, pal. Good. Good. Uh, good. Ready to go as always. Jacked. Perfect. Yeah, the um, the first one I want to talk about is a situation that uh, you know comes up quite a bit, and uh, basically concerns a, a change of ownership during the employment relationship. So my client was employed for about four years for a company. Uh, the company was sold to uh, to, to another uh, business, and mm-hmm. uh, my client continued working there for another two years or so. They let him go. At this point, they say, "Well, you're only a two-year employee." So you don't you only get uh, you know your termination talents based on two years of service, and when the um, when he signed the uh, or, or when he transferred over um, or when the purchase happened, he didn't sign a new contract or anything like that. So it was just business as usual. He didn't miss a day of work. His job, everything remained remained the same. So there's no question that they have to recognize that previous service. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the 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 law common law allows some employers to basically get rid of that previous service. If they um, if they have a clause that does that that says that so it's basically for common law purposes we're not going to recognize your previous service. Right. Uh, you, in most cases, you do have to for the Employment Standards Act, but an employer can basically extinguish that service or not recognize it. But in this case, they didn't tell him anything at the time uh, of the purchase and sale, and so you know he just continued working. And then you know two years for all you know for what he was uh, considering, he was a six-year employee. Uh, two years later, though, they, they let him go and they tried to say, no, you know, this, it was a new employment relationship, which clearly it wasn't. So uh, that, that's a, one I, I see come up quite a bit, especially with smaller companies that maybe don't understand that, oh, we purchased this new business and um, right. we, we have to uh, recognize the service. That is something that someone who's uh, in that position where a new company has come in and they decide to throw a new employment contract uh, across your bow and say, here, please sign this. That is something you don't want to sign away, especially if you're a you know, 10, 15, 20-year employee. You don't want to sign away those rights as a, you know, f- not recognizing your past service, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one thing to be careful about. The other one no. I see sometimes is uh, when the, cu- the purchaser basically has someone... Uh, sign a contract that has a, a termination clause that limits mm-hmm. limits it to the Employment Standards Act. So, you know, they have all this service with, the, with the, another company. It gets purchased, and then the, the purchaser says, you know, to, to have the job with us, you have to sign this contract. And most of the time that contract has a, a termination clause or something like that that limits the employee to the Employment Standards Act minimums. So that employee is basically giving away all their common law severance pay uh, to just to, uh, you know, when, once they sign that document. So it's very important to be careful if there is a change of ownership before signing anything, uh, get it reviewed. 
Again, 416-870-6400. Getting your calls here in just a minute as we get them all lined up and, and in order and ready to go. What uh, What's the other matter you got going on? Yeah, another one uh, that's, uh, again, I've, I've been dealing with uh, quite a bit in the last several months, and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of related to the first one, but I had an employee who had uh, many years of service, and then uh, it seems like this employer had uh, gotten some legal advice and maybe went to some type of a, uh, a conference or seminar that said, you know, you need good termination clauses in your contract. So they presented the uh, employee with this new contract that uh, had a, a termination clause and, uh, you know, wasn't going to give them anything for it. And uh, so obviously, you know, they, they, this person actually signed it and uh, it wasn't given anything. So no raise, no uh, change in position, no bonus, nothing like that. And then a couple of years later, terminated the employment relationship. Wow. And relied on the termination clause and said, you know, you, you, you have this clause that limits you to eight weeks uh, termination pay. And, uh, you know, obviously, as you know, John, uh, you need fresh consideration to uh, yep. have a, a contract enforceable. So uh, in this case, there was clearly no consideration, uh, nothing changed with the person's job. So, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty easy to establish that that was unenforceable. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, I think they see it, they sign it. And then when the, when the time of termination comes, they just believe it's enforceable. So, uh, you know, yeah. if your employer ever comes to you during the employment relationship with a new contract, ask questions and get it reviewed because it's probably not benefiting you. It's probably benefiting them. 416-870-6400, the way to go. Brett, thanks for hanging on. You're first up tonight, uh, fella. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Hey, Brett. Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, I just had a generic question. Um, I was saying how um, a lot of what we hear typically applies to larger uh, companies where they have a well-developed HR system. Um, or an HR person designated to address these issues. Uh, what do you do in a situation where do you work for a smaller company of, let's say, under 10 employees, and uh, just because of personal disliking, the way the politics are at work, you find like you're getting a lot of heat um, from you know higher-level staff, and um, and you're kind of afraid to speak out or um, contradict the feedback that you're getting um, out of fear of losing your job. Um, and I'm speaking for someone that um, was in a situation like this where they were being, they weren't being treated fairly by a coworker, um, and because of the politics, their relationship with both of their bosses, um, because of personal preference uh, by the boss, uh, he was let go uh, for for raising his concerns about what was kind of the way that he was being treated. So yeah, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, it's a really good question, and uh, you know, a lot of the you know, with bigger companies, um, if someone's dealing with some you know harassment or anything like that in the workplace, unfair working conditions, usually, like you say, there's a channel to go through. So you can go to human resources, which is usually not involved in the actual problem itself, or you can go to management that may not be involved. Uh, you know, a higher level of management that may not be, you know, who you deal with on a daily basis. But yeah, you're right. In smaller companies, you know, a lot of time there isn't an HR uh, department, or if it is, it's, you know, it's that person has, you know, wears a couple hats, uh, maybe is part of management. Um, and uh, the other issue is that a lot of time the managers are, you know, they could be the owners. Um, so, you know, the, there can be a, an issue there. But, um, you know, there's not a lot to do in terms of there's no like independent, um, you know, person you can go to in, with your complaints or your issues. Uh, but the best thing to do is just to, um, if you are having issues or problems, is to uh, you know tell them that, identify it, and and put it in writing. And um, you know if those issues aren't addressed, um, you know at, at some point you may you may be able to allege constructive dismissal if it's related to harassment or poison work environment. 
Uh, and if you want to just protect yourself against termi- being terminated for cause uh, or allegations of cause, uh, that's that's very helpful just to have uh, contemporaneous emails or letters uh, notifying them of, of the issues you're having and why you're not uh, you know satisfied with uh, with their responses. So in that situation, uh, the best course of action would be to start docu- uh, documenting instances that might ultimately lead to a dismissal. Yeah, absolutely, and and you can you know some you can you know document it. You can summarize the email and send it to you know management and say you know I just want to summarize what happened today. This is you know this is what my my side of the story, uh, stuff like that. But uh, contemporaneous notes uh, and emails and whatnot are very important in that uh, context. Okay, so in a case where it does lead to a dismissal, what are the what are for example my rights as an employee? Well, if you are let go, um, the the employer has to uh, to withhold severance, establish just cause for termination, which is extremely difficult. So, if you are let let go, um, in most cases, you would be entitled to a severance package. Now, your employer may not offer you a severance package; they may allege cause. You know, I, I see, especially smaller companies, maybe don't understand what cause is at law and how difficult it is to prove. And you know, they, they sometimes smaller companies do allege cause when it's clearly not. Uh, but if you are let go, uh, the best thing to do is uh, is contact a lawyer, and we can uh, go through everything with you and see if we can, uh, you know, assist you get a severance package. Brett, appreciate the call to uh, to reach out further. If you want to, uh, you should do so. Uh, do so one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's uh, to get a hold of Dave and the guys at the firm one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Moving on to our next call again four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the way to uh, to have your say, ask your questions. Abraham, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Yeah, I work for a major corporation and. Uh, we're all unionized, and I have a pretty much adversarial uh, relationship with the union. Um, I find them to be pretty much grade 12 graduates representing me, and the corporation has a team of lawyers. Um, so going forward, I may have some issues with the company. Um, and if these things really got serious, is there any way that I could have somebody represent me um, outside of the union, or is that just locked in stone? In most cases, basically virtually all cases, you do need to go through the union with any issues you're having with your employer. Uh, there's a very extraordinary process you can go through if you don't think the union is treating you fairly or representing you fairly against the employer. It's very hard to establish, but it is a possibility. But I mean, generally speaking, you have to go through the union. There's no uh, easy exception to that. Well, should I make it known to my employer that I have no confidence in my representation? I wouldn't do that. I would do. I would make it clear to your union uh, and maybe go higher up than the the people actually representing you. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. just to the union, or just yeah, to the union and my employer as well. I wouldn't do. I would not do that to the employer. I would not let the employer know that. Okay, so just make it known to the union and document it. Correct. Okay. Um, so the best way to do that would just be to document the issues you've had with the union or, or having with the union throughout the process, and at least you're establishing a, uh, you know a factual basis to you know potentially um, at some point maybe challenge their you know their representation of you. Well, I'll just give you like a, a minor example. There was a, a situation that I didn't agree with what the union was doing, and basically the president of my local told me to basically swore at me and told me to F off. 
Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, that that'd be something you'd want to. Yeah, you'd want to take that above his level, um, you know, within the union, and basically submit a complaint about it and and see where that gets you. Abraham, appreciate the uh, the call. We'll uh, we'll leave it there and we'll take a short break. Christian, Michael, guys, hang on. We'll get to you. Plenty of time still to go. So uh, so keep on the line. We'll get to your uh, your questions for sure, and for you as well. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Good warm up. Good uh, Monday night on the way. This is the Employment Law Show right here on Global News Radio. Welcome back. Indeed, your phone call is always a priority. If we have time and get into the show, it'll be the most common questions Dave gets at the firm on a uh, weekly basis. Some of these might be your questions, but we'd rather hear them from you live. And a chance for you to call in. Still plenty of time. 416-870-6400. The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime you want more information and uh, we're not on the show doing this, you have an employment lawyer with you at all times. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If we get some time, we'll give you some details on that uh, as well. But always, always, always get to the uh, the phone calls first. You are the priority. Christian, thank you for uh, for hanging in there. How are you? Good. Thank you very much for uh, taking my call. You bet, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you? Well, I'm a director with a large software company, and we have an employee who's just outstanding. This guy is absolutely amazing, and so much so uh, as a visionary, he's starting to make some of the VPs and presidents look bad. <laughs> and, uh, and, and unfortunately, they're trying to alienate this fellow by taking away his performance bonus for really no reason. Uh, His recent performance review is off the charts by all the other directors. So we're trying to figure out if there's anything we can do to help this employee because I don't think they can just take away a performance uh, bonus when he's when he's doing so well. So is this the bonus he's already earned? Like it was? Is it from 2019 or is it his bonus moving forward? He's not going to be eligible for. Um, It's a um, a monthly bonus that he's always had structured for the last two years in his contract. Got it. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I mean, generally, I think your you know, intuition's right that uh, an employer can't just take away uh, a form of compensation from someone, especially if it's significant in, in any way. Uh, generally, I say, you know, once you get past 5% of compensation, um, you start, you know, the employer's probably not going to be able to do that. Uh, so, you know, if, if it is a, you know, decent, uh, you know, above that uh, number, that would probably constitute a constructive dismissal and, and they'd not, not be allowed to do that. Um, but the way for him to handle that would just be to tell them, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that and push back on it. Okay. And then one uh, follow-up question to that. The company, believe it or not, does not really have a, a good human resource department. So much like what you said earlier, uh, it's kind of a shared responsibility. It's a manager that does many other things. So there's not really too much human resources. Is there anyone he could go to? I mean, within the co- the only I mean to go to someone in the company. Um, I mean, I don't know the structure of the company, but um, there's no no one independent of the the employer uh, that you can go to to complain about you know a bonus or any other issue, um, apart from you know going through the litigation process. Uh, so if they are uh, attempting to take away his bonus, uh, you know the the best thing for him to do is to object to that and basically see what they do. Now, another thing to be aware of for him is that, um, you know, is there a contract of employment he has? Is there a bonus plan that he's signed that maybe gives the company some leeway to change or remove that bonus? Those are those would be things I would want to talk to him about and, and review that contract and, and everything before actually providing him with, uh, you know, actual advice on how to proceed. Great. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Christian. Please, uh, if you would, uh, one of your friends or your colleague, anyone to call through to uh, to Dave uh, when we're not on the show, do so. 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. For the uh, remainder of the time on air here on this Monday evening, it is 416-870-6400. That will uh, will get you through asking your questions. Rico, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hi, I'm, I'm a little bit like your uh, your guy who works for a uh, hostile union. I belong, though, yep. to um, an organization of commissioned salespeople who um, have, have associations in Ontario and in Western Canada and Eastern Canada. The, the Ontario um, version uh, of, of our group was... Um, a non-for-profit that was run um, with a board and meetings and uh, and minutes, etc. But that recently demised, and it's now been privatized in a very abrupt and almost hostile way. But we are still under a national umbrella um, organization that vents, uh, vets any grievances that we have, etc. However, that national organization receives half of its income now through its Ontario members. And there have been some recent cases uh, where certain members uh, have not been satisfied or treated properly. And there's grounds to say we're in a conflict of interest. It's almost like uh, playing on a team that is, is funding half of the Players Association. And you can see why the players association might might side differently or or not as fairly as they could um yet they're still collecting dues from from all the members collectively um but they but there hasn't there hasn't been an uh, the will i guess the political will has greatly diminished because of the source of funding ultimately for the national group it's almost like a fraudulent situation now i'm just wondering if that could be legally uh, looked upon with more scrutiny or what what could be implemented, uh, because there are precedents now that some members have, have not been treated fairly, even by virtue of uh, having certain bylaws uh, ignored at the national level. Um, so basically, people aren't, aren't getting what they're bargaining for. And um, I'm just, just wondering how that all plays out um in 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 a in a possibility for uh retribution or or having things looked at differently so is this organization it, it represents you if you have issues with your employer uh well as in, we're all contractors okay. so if if we're representing uh certain people we're manufacturers agents so if we're representing uh a firm that doesn't pay uh, what they should pay um, to the salespeople. Our national organization has had in the past sanctions they can implement. Um, however, they're not acting right, okay. uh, aggressively enough because the local um, the local group st- still can replace players or, or sales agents. Um, without any sanctions against the the people that are in arrears, and, and they're not uh, doing what they should be under their bylaws. Sure, yeah. So uh, it's not too complicated. I tried to 
So I, I obviously would need to look at the, you know, understand kind of the relationship between you and, and this association a bit better, and, sure. and, and including having there um, the, the document that governs the relationship. But uh, so with that caveat, uh, you know, because it's not a union situation, um, you know, there's a good chance because your relationship is actually, you know, with these these actual companies, these manufacturers, right? Yes. That you would actually be able to, have to you know, go pursue, um, you know, litigation against them if there if there's financial. That option that option's always been open to us. Right. But with the caveat that if we do pursue independent sanctions that our governing uh, our national association withdraws from any negotiations. So that's always been the way, but with the recent changeover um, of, of our Ontario chapter going from a uh, nonprofit to a private, um, so privately run, um, they, they're, um, they're not willing to engage uh, on several issues that are in obvious uh, transgression of the national bylaws. So, um, I'm just I'm just wondering if there's an if there's grounds for a, a conflict of interest, uh, and if there is, what that would represent. Well, I mean, the you either have a case, you either have you know a, a right to you know, pursue litigation against the, the manufacturer that owes you money, or well, no, I'm, I'm wondering if it's against the association. No, I know, it's just like yeah, so yeah, yeah, so you can either do that, which is you know the the easiest solution probably. Or you could have a, a case against the association for, you know, basically breach of contract because it sounds like you would have some type of a contract with them to represent your rights. Yeah. So yes. there'd be two different avenues, and it's likely you can pursue, uh, you know, either of them. Um, and you know, so that th- that would be the way to do it. But um, to look at whether you, you know, the likelihood of success against the association, we'd need to look at the the, the document governing it, the relationship. Okay. That's 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 fine. So maybe we should talk a little further. Yeah, absolutely. Be a good idea, Rico. Here's the uh, the number. If you didn't write it down already, please do one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can reach out through email as well. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime you want more information about uh, stuff we talk about on the show, you can also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. In there, contained as well, is uh, part of the severance pay calculator. If you're wondering ever what your severance uh, would be, phone calls four one six eight seven zero six. 6400 to call through, ask your questions just like all of our callers have in the last few minutes. Please feel free to uh, to do that. you still got plenty of time here as we uh, as we roll on. I want to get into the topic of the night, and that is the most common questions you get across your desk, pal, and this one is uh, this one's huge. This one often starts the uh, the conversation when someone calls through and, told, and has told you that they've been terminated, and that is, I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment? Yeah, hurt? That's, yeah, that's probably the uh, the biggest one we get in terms yeah. of, uh, the, you know, the common questions and uh you know because I, I get where people are coming from they're you know they do you know do a good job they, there's no issues at all um for years and that you know no performance concerns no discipline and all of a sudden one day they're all just the employer lets them go right uh it'd be shocking and uh tough to tough to take in so um but uh, the, i mean the, the answer is that uh, a company can let you go and they do not need a reason so even if you didn't do anything wrong your employer can let you go they just have to provide an appropriate severance package in those circumstances Right. And the second one question, obviously, is, okay, now I hear you, Dave, how much severance do I get? Yeah, so 
severance is uh, you know based on three main criteria: age, years of service, and position. Those are the easy ones to look at. The older you are, the longer you've been there, and the more senior and specialized your role, the more you get. The availability of similar employment would be the fourth, and okay. uh, it is also an important factor. But it's tough. It's not as uh, you know. There's not. It's not as easy as just saying you know you're 55 or 45. It's um, you know more. Uh, you know you have to look at the availability of work in that for that specific person in their market in their industry. So um, that that can be a little, a little tougher to pin down. And really, what the uh, what what those factors are supposed to predict is how long it should take you to find a new job because that's the whole purpose of severance to bridge the gap of unemployment. It's not supposed to be a windfall. Uh, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the objective of severance pay, so that's why, uh, and that's why we consider those factors. 416-870-6400 is the way to call through, ask your questions in that regard. Matt, thanks for, uh, for, for calling in. How are you tonight? I'm well. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, sure. My question, my question is, uh, I'm a realtor uh, in good standing uh, with my brokerage, uh, and uh, we are traditionally on a 90-10 uh, split with the brokerage. So any commissions that comes into the brokerage, uh, 90% goes to the realtor, 10% is withheld by the brokerage. Now, can the brokerage come back and say, well, we're going to change the agreement, we're going to change the contract, we're going to put you now on a lesser split. So in, instead of 90-10, we're going to put you on a, for instance, let's say, uh, um, um, you know, 80-20, for instance. So in other words, 80 comes to the realtor, yep. 20% is held back by the brokerage. Now, are you considered a? Uh, I assume you're. Are you considered a contractor? We are. We are considered a contractor. Yes, we are. Yeah. So you're, you're not an employee. Uh, at least that's not how they what they consider you, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're considered contractors. Correct. And does that ninety ten split is has that is that in a contract you have with them? Yes. So, like, so the like it's in a written contract. Yeah, with a written contract, valid uh, for the last, let's say, seven, uh, seven to eight years. Yeah. And do, do you have to do you sign a, a new one every year or anything like that? No, the, we've never signed one uh, in the seven, eight years that I've been with the brokerage. There's never been any reintroduction to sign a new agreement whatsoever. No discussion. Right. Okay. So they would. They wouldn't. They can't just unilaterally change that. But what they can do is tell you, you know, basically terminate the previous contract and tell you, you know, if you want to continue, you know, being engaged with us or being a contractor, um, you know, you can either you can you have to sign this agreement, this new agreement, and uh, yeah, and and that's exactly what's happened. Uh, I mean, basically, we're uh, we're being hauled into. Uh, into the office and being told exactly like you said, uh, this is uh, this is now uh, we're we're looking forward. This is what we need to do. Uh, sort of, you know, take it, sign it, or you know, or leave it. That's, right. That's what's happening. Yeah, I, I figured that would be the case. Now, the issue that what you know, if you basically you know don't agree to sign that, and they do let you go, or they they, they terminate your contract. Um, there is a chance you'd be entitled to to compensation in terms of severance pay. Uh, now, because even if you're not 
technically an employee, um, you, you're probably a dependent contractor, or, or you, you very well could be. Yes. Um, so independent contractor. It's possible that you'd be considered what's called a it's kind of in between a dependent contractor. So even though you're called an independent contractor, it's possible you'd be a dependent contractor, where and dependent contractors are entitled to severance pay. Okay. Now the other thing to th- think about is, I don't, is there in your contract is there a termination provision? So is there a certain amount of notice or you know pay they must, or either side must provide to terminate the contract? That's another thing we'd want to look at. So. Yeah, I, not that I'm aware of, but you're right. That's something to definitely look at, but not that I'm aware of. Okay. Yes. And, and the other other thing to be uh, cognizant of is uh, sometimes the contracts will actually say, you know, the the employer or the company reserves the right to make changes to the commission structure or plan. Right. 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 So those are all things to consider. But given the... Um, you know, the, the circumstance you're in, because it's not just a straightforward, um, you know, you're not a straightforward employee, and it's not just a, a simple case. I would want uh, to review your contract that you have and this new agreement that they're having you uh, sign. So in conclusion, uh, if there is a provision in the current contract that they are able to revisit the commission structure, um, does that... Uh, get them off the hook in other words um is there any any course of action that i can take any further uh by them having that provision in the agreement if it's you know there's you definitely have there's a a possibility you'd have a course of action and it would just come down to some pretty uh technical legal arguments in terms of the uh how the contract was entered uh and stuff like that so i would want to just look at the contract look at the language that was used in that clause and uh, and and go through that in a bit more deeper analysis with you. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking my call, sir. I appreciate Our that. Our pleasure. Matt, appreciate uh, appreciate your time and to uh, carry forward, which you probably will want to do, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 is the number to reach Dave. Uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. You know, it, it, it's funny you mention that, too, because it sounds like, and we've had this before, we've talked about it, um, real estate uh, agents, it's... There, most of them are. They don't realize they're most of them are dependent contractors. They work out of one brokerage. You know, they use the office at the brokerage. They're using their tools, their printers, and so on and so forth. There is a good chance that if this all goes south, that Matt could be looking at some severance. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And uh, I mean, the other thing I should point out about that, and if if he was a actually an employee, yep. then that you know going from ninety percent to eighty uh, percent, you know, assuming that has a pretty big impact on on compensation, that would likely be illegal and, and constitute a constructive dismissal um, unless there's a term or a, a clause in that contract that allows it. But so it's just a bit more complicated of a question when, when you're dealing with a contractor because uh, a dependent contractor, for instance, can have a contract that provides 30 days notice and that doesn't, that, that's likely going to be enforceable uh, in terms of the, the amount now of you have you you did mention as well, it all comes down to language and the way it's written. I know you've had several cases similar to this and with other clauses that you look at and go, oh, no, no, they can't depend on this because they didn't write or it wasn't written the right way. It might not have been written by a legal team. It might have been written by somebody in HR and it's not worth the paper it's written on, correct? Correct. And, uh, you know, the older the contract, no. uh, the more I see that, uh, you know, it's more likely to be unenforceable uh, based on the language. Nice. Now, with employees, I find 
in most cases you can get around the con determination provision or or other type of language that tries mm -hmm. to limit the employee. Contractors is a bit more right. difficult because uh, they don't have minimum termination entitlements. Uh, so, you know, let's say like for instance, if the if they're allowed to terminate his contract with thirty days notice, well, that's going to be enforceable if he's a uh, if he's a, a contractor and not an employee. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, 416-870-6400. Still got some minutes left to go here. If you want to get a uh, question in before we wrap up for a Monday night, you can still uh, you still do that. In the meantime, the most common questions Dave gets here on a weekly basis at the firm and on the phone and through email as well. Uh, we talked about it. They owe you severance. What happens if the employer says, uh, no, I'm not paying you severance or they don't pay you enough severance? What do you do? Yeah, that's a uh, good question, a very common one. Uh, I find uh, you know most people I speak with uh, are, are not offered a, a fair severance package. I'm always shocked when it is a good, good severance package, and I'll, you know I, I'm not shy to tell someone that you know this is a good deal, you should sign it. Uh, but I would say right. in most cases, uh, it is not. And uh, so if you are offered a, a severance package. Uh, always get it reviewed because um, you know you need to make sure that it's fair. Um, I know a lot of employers will tell you it is, but uh, you should get a second opinion on that uh, from an independent uh, you know party like a lawyer um, who can review that for you. And just to make sure other issue, other aspects of it, such as the release and different clauses, make sure you're not agreeing to some type of non-competition clause to get the severance package, right. uh, stuff like that. So if you are offered a, a severance package, um, take it to a lawyer. Make sure it's uh, you know fair. And if it's not fair, uh, we we can negotiate and, and uh, you know try to improve that severance package. And quite often, something at the very bottom of that uh, that severance package, that letter, that documentation, will have a uh, a certain date you have to accept it by or else. What do you do with that one? Yeah, I've uh, I think every every severance package you've ever seen has a, a deadline. It's usually a week or two. Sure. And uh, you know, people are always it's always puts people in a tough spot, right? Because they get the get the severance package. Uh, they take a couple of days to kind of let it sink in and everything, and then they reach out to a lawyer. And maybe there's a, a day or two goes by before they actually get that appointment and are, are available for it. So uh, all of a sudden, that week's upon them, and uh, you know they're nervous. They say, "Oh, what am I supposed to do? I, I have to sign this." Even though, I mean, technically, I guess that's the deadline, the arbitrary deadline the employer set. Your your legal rights don't change, uh, you know, at five o'clock on, on on Tuesday. So your yeah. rights are the same at at four o'clock as they are at six o'clock. Uh, so I wouldn't be concerned about the deadline um, from that perspective. The employer has put that offer out there. Um, you know that the worst case scenario, in, in my experience, is they're just going to say, "No, that was our offer. Take it or leave it." So um, I don't think I've ever seen an employer take an offer off the table and not put it back on just because he missed the deadline. So what what I mean by that is take the time to get it reviewed, the, the package. It's a pressure tactic. You have two years, but it's a pressure tactic, really, right? Yeah, absolutely. The employer wants to move things along, and they know, you know, if they if they give you a week, uh, you you know, you may not have time to really let it sink in and get the advice you need. So I think a lot of people do end up signing it. So uh, don't let that uh, you know pressure you, and uh, take the time you need. Um, you know, if it makes you feel better, you, I always recommend you know letting the employer know I'm going to take a bit more time. Um, so just say, you know, I, I I'm right. still considering this, uh, so I need some more time, just so they're not uh, caught off guard. Last couple of minutes here, I'm going to throw this one more question in. It's going to be kind of a two-parter, and that is uh, my employer says that I'm on a temporary layoff. What can I do? A, they've never done it before. B, they've done it before. What's the difference? Yeah, so if they've never placed you on a temporary layoff before and there's no yep. contract that allows for the temporary layoff, 
you do have the option of treating that as a, a constructive dismissal. So it's the same as any other termination. You'd be entitled to severance pay. If you've been on a layoff before, it's going to be more difficult because the employer is going to be able to say, well, no, you always accepted layoffs as part of your con- your uh, your employment contract with us. With that said, I've seen some cases where even though someone's been on a layoff in the past, they've, the employer's basically lost that right through um, you know, through the, the relationship of the parties. Like basically, there was a long time in between layoffs, so the employee uh, by that point didn't understand that layoffs were part of their contract. So it's still possible to get around it. So, uh, But e- either way, if you're placed on a layoff, you should uh, give us a call and uh, we can see if we can either get you back to work or get you a severance package. And at least, you know, call you in the lease before you say yes to anything like that. Could it, be, it could come back and rear its ugly head several times throughout your employment, right, as far as layoffs are concerned? Yeah, if you're placed on a layoff, you it's very important to uh, basically dispute it or tell them that you're not happy with it, you're not accepting that moving yeah. forward. Uh, put them on notice uh, for that at the very least. Good job, man. Done for a, uh, another night, the first night of the week anyway for the Employment Law Show. Thank you for all your phone calls. We're back here on Wednesday night as well, the weekend shows, and, of course, Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings as well. You'll want to reach out now that we are done. one 821 5900 the number to get a hold of Dave or Lior, member of the team. you got to help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is the email address, and always pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's like having a pocket employment lawyer in your pocket at all times. Check it out. Don't go anywhere on point continues with greg brady he's coming right back here on global news radio